Hey, remember us? It's the A to Z podcast. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. A to Z podcast.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Shouts as always to scene to the honeymoon grill. To American Fireworks, our longtime friends in Hudson, but always open at AmericanFireworks.com. Um, thanks, you guys, for listening. Thanks for being patient. We know it's been a few weeks. Listen, it's just a tough time of year. Um, we got some things cooking up for the start of the season. It's about three, four weeks away. We're going to roll most of those out at once, and we can't wait to do that. But frankly... I've been working all day, and Dre's been working at night, and a couple times it's been different. It has, so he's on the phone. He's not in the normal setup today, but we wanted to do this. Uh, we enjoy doing this. We we really, as I say this all the time because I mean it, um, we think it's really cool that you guys ask for more episodes and tell us you listen and get your friends and your neighbors and your cousins to listen, so um I think it's at our best when we're in football season. We talk anything. We talk life. We talk sports. Okay. Uh, we do get excited and adventure into mature slash immature subjects. So if you're new here and if there are kids in the car, uh, if you're in a work environment, put on your earbuds or come back to A to Z at another time. We would never want anyone to get in trouble for listening to A to Z. Someone who's never been in trouble in his life is my partner, Andre Knott. <laughs> I stay in trouble. <laughs> um, I do miss you guys. I do miss that we haven't been able to do these. As Zach said, we got a lot of stuff coming hopefully soon. Uh, this is the best time of the year. I don't even think we got to talk about. Did we talk about the NBA Finals? Did we? Does that pass us? But I think it was just about no. Yeah, I think it was just about to end the last time we did one. Yeah, yeah, I think we talked about the. We haven't talked about the draft because yeah, we did. We were yeah. It was two days before the draft. draft. Yes. yes, yes. Because I was telling you they better they better draft somebody taller than me, um, and they did. Thank God. Um, it's football season and baseball season. I don't know why, like. Never mind. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad we're doing this. It won't be the longest, won't be the shortest. I um, hope you guys are getting ready for the best time of the year. I don't know why. we. I do know why I've heard so many people in Northeast Ohio try to rush through summer and get to the fall. But never do that, guys and girls, because once there, it's going to get cold sooner or later. Uh, and once it gets cold sooner or later outside, um, then it's like that for six months straight. So enjoy the, this heat that we're going through. I got excited, Zach, because my sister sent me over my nephew's football schedule just a couple days ago, uh, and so I'm excited for that to see to see Pee Wee football, to see pro football, to see college football. Let me start with this though. I got to ask you, what is your take upon what's happening in college football and with Texas and Oklahoma? Yeah, um, I was genuinely stunned for about four seconds, and then I thought, well. That kind of makes sense. And Texas has been treated as a punching bag in this scenario, and I'm glad that they have. They have earned that, right, with their mix of arrogance and lack of results. <laughs> um, Texas is still a huge name brand in football. It still has a fan base and a money base and all of these things, right? Um, right. And certainly their their battle for relevance here in the year 2021 is not going to get any easier doing that. Um, but this is just the way sports are headed, right? And them in Oklahoma had this opportunity and, you know, sorry, Baylor. <laughs> sorry, Oklahoma State, <laughs> right? Sorry, Big 12. It's been fun. But, uh, you know, Texas has been passed by Matt Campbell in Iowa State and is running for 
uh, even more money in the hills. So, yeah, but see, you, you're hitting on something, and it's true. But the Texas has gotten passed by Iowa State because they've been incompetent in keeping Texas Texas. In my, in my, or even moving with the times and being stuck in being Texas. Um, is this the beginning of the end of the NCAA? So as we know it. Though, yeah, I well, that, that's two different things here. Look, um, we haven't really talked about the NLI thing that came into play. What on July first? No. I think it was. Right, you know, right. Is it the beginning of the end? I, I think that's a fair question, and I think in some ways it is, but um, there still has to be some governing body, Dre. There still has to be someone in charge. So was the NCAA archaic, behind the times, ignorant to what was happening, not with what was going on? Sure. Um, you know, is this the beginning of the end of college football, and we're going to end up with 40 programs, and it's going to be basically minor league pro football? Way down the road, that might be inevitable. And every time in the history of this podcast that we've talked about paying players or doing different things or what's next, you know, I've said that's my fear. I'm all for it. The, the, this NLI right. stuff is overdue, right? The, the players getting right. more and the old guys in the suits getting less is way, way, way overdue. Um, no doubt. But as you but go about it, Let's kids losing opportunities right and sports going away um, at at lots of places, but specifically places that are close to us, right? And in the yeah, Mac and yeah. in other places, you know, I don't think that's good. I don't think that's good for society. I don't think that's good for anything. So, you know, what happens 30 years from now? I don't know. Do I think there's going to be some more immediate fallout um, in terms of what Texas and Oklahoma did and, and some reshuffling with some other conferences? Yeah, but I still think we're a ways away from, it becoming just a, just one super conference or just three, you know, to four super conferences. I still think yeah. the current model and the NLI should help this um, will sustain for a generation, right? Uh, I, I don't think that major changes are coming. Now, look, um, that might be that might depend on how you define major. The Pac-12 playing games at 9 a.m. local time so they can get in the prime TV slots. Well, is that major? I don't know. You know, no, um, it's not. But majoring in the minor. But yeah, the the playoff TV. expanding imminently to 12 teams. Yeah. Sure, and, and half the teams being SEC and half the country being fine with that, and half the teams being mad at that. Is that a major change? Probably. But in, in terms of like. Okay, 130 schools play football, and the NCAA tournament is still every March, and you know there's still eight or nine conferences that that even a casual fan can name. I, I don't think that's going anywhere uh, right now. I, even though I do think, you know, there's going to be a little more shuffling uh, in the wake of this. Yeah, let me say this: um, I don't have all the answers, and I'm not going to sit here and act like I do. Um, I don't know what the future of college sports will look like, but I do think the beginning. This is the beginning of something that we have never seen before with the Texas and Oklahoma situation. And what I'll say is something I don't say very often, but I hope that there are some smart, innovative, young and old minds that can come together. Something that America is really struggling with right now. People coming together of different cultures and different backgrounds and really think about not only the top 10 programs, but the bottom 10 programs. And we find a system that helps all, not just the money makers. I understand the college football, hell, high school football, um, and that's a different story, but I, I understand what college football means to a lot of universities. Let's be honest. A lot of universities are able to have multiple sports and have multiple teams because of the money that they bring in because of their football programs. Um, that's not going to change. But I think where we're at with this NILs and everything else, 
money is starting to become a part of this. And without real governing of how that's going to happen, um, there's going to be some, there's going to be some situations with some kids that are, are there in way better situations than others. It's always been like that with the guys in the suits. Uh, and they've been able to, you know, sit up in their ivory towers and, you know, take the fruits of the labor of what's been going on down on the field. Um, they've got to find a way because their money's not going to be as long as it used to be. Their power's not going to be as long as it used to be. But I, I tend to agree with Zach. We do need a governing body outside of the green paperbacks because money is truly the, is the governing body, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. But, you know, there, there's got to be there's got to be some structure, right? And, like, with this no NLI thing, we're in the early stages. Like, states are passing different, leg, you know, legislation on it. And the NCAA is still saying players can't advertise for liquor companies or for gambling companies. And the schools still have mega million dollar deals with shoe companies. So a player at Alabama, which is Nike, or at least I think it is right, is not going to be able to go get a half a million bucks from Adidas. Right. So all of that stuff needs to be regulated. It's going to work itself out. And what's going to happen is what I've always said. And most to these players are going to find out that they're not worth that much, but that's okay because all are going to have the opportunity to just be able to get a little bit in some cases, a little bit more than that, which always has been the case, right? What's making the rounds this week, the Ohio state freshman defensive end driving the big truck and, and putting on his social media account, you know, thanks to a Mark Wahlberg Chevy for this. Well, Ohio state players have been driving really nice vehicles from local dealerships for, for a long, long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, you, I, I've never been, I can tell you from driving through Columbus and from working down there, I can tell you um, where a couple of the nice dealerships are in Dublin. I can tell you a couple of where the nice dealerships are in other places. Cause they advertise on sports radio down there, but rarely in Columbus, have you seen a nicer parking lot than at the Woody Hayes center? <laughs> right. No, no, like, no, 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 no. And I mean, and that's been a, but you see that once again, I think I don't want to say it's like, unearthing the ugly truths of college sports because when you get up because like and that goes back to the it goes back further than when we were in high school like you said it's always been one of the best parking lots in america down at the woody hayes center always <laughs> i know in the mid, early 90s i remember seeing brand new blazers and, and different cars that, that you didn't see everywhere else that, and it's been like that at texas alabama you name the big colleges they already live in a different world than per se the mac school as you said I guess what I'm getting at is I'm fine with I'm fine with the kids making money. I am. I don't have a problem with it. If you can make money off your likeness, you should be able to make money off of it. My thing is how do these universities and these presidents come together, Zach, and make sure we don't lose the Mac college teams? The you know I mean what happens to the Youngstown State? You know it's the trickle down effect, and there's way more Kent State's Akron News than Ohio State yes. throughout the rest of the country. Yes. Yeah, so no, that, that it's going to be interesting, and it, it's just a different time in the world as, as it relates to sports, and everybody wants theirs, and they want it now, right? Um, yep, yep. And we see what's happening, right? Like, um, you know, the Lakers got Russell Westbrook, which jumps off the page. Well, are those pieces going to fit, Dre? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, well, I'll say this. I'd rather that than Dennis Schroeder and you know, like I'd rather have. Yo, I, I get it. Always go back to it. I, I'm just I'd saying, like the model for LeBron's entire career has been surrounding with shooters. That's not Russ's game, right? Correct. Correct. Um, I know. And, and look, I, I think now Grandpa LeBron at this stage, you know, Russ doing a lot of the heavy lifting in the regular season will probably be good. 
for LeBron no and for the Lakers. But I'll say this about I'll say this about the Lakers. And yeah, I let you go. They're they're set up for a seven game series, not an eighty two game series, eighty two game season. If they're healthy after eighty two games, look out, but they won't be. No, they won't be. And and it's and again, they're gonna get in the playoffs against a really disciplined defensive team like Phoenix this year, who's going to dare them to shoot threes. Right? Right. And Pack it know, in. we'll we'll see what happens. There's a long way to go. Um we did this right before the Cavs drafted Evan Mobley. They, they it was a very poorly kept secret how the top three of the draft was gonna go. Uh, I didn't. I don't have any problem with the pick. I, I talked about him back in March. He's a Chris Bosh clone. You know, he comes from really good bloodlines. Was a one-year college player. Like the upside is there. I just still think, and will continue to think, Jalen Suggs has major, major star potential, and maybe they'll live to regret that pick. So, will the Raptors, who had the four pick and still didn't pick Jalen Suggs, I don't know. Um, it's football season for me. I haven't seen any NBA summer league. I've you know maybe caught up on thirty seconds of the highlights, but but a couple days in, I, I have no takes, no no feelings there. Um, I I I will say this about the Cavs, and we never spend too much time because they have frankly haven't been worth it. I got to think, knowing a little bit about how pro sports organizations work, right? I got to think that this GM and this front office probably have until this coming February's trade deadline, or they're in big trouble. Yep. Right. And the problem with that yeah. is, Drew, there's no way to me that the reality of the situation meets that window. Right. You, you've, no. Is that fair to say? Do you know what I'm saying? No, we'll go to the East. Look how far behind they are in the East. Yeah. I mean, you have, and this is just on top of my head. Milwaukee is the reigning champion. Say what you will, they're the champion. The, the Nets, really good. I want to say the Knicks were like, what, the fourth seed this past year? I don't, I don't know how. Uh, Atlanta's got an up and coming rising star. Philadelphia has. MVP candidate if he ever stays healthy, but he won't. And they're going to make a big trade, I would think, at some point in time, uh, and bring in more, more. You know, like I, like I said, off the top of my head. I, I, all right, let me ask you this: um, Neither one of us know the rosters really well. I think I'd rather be the Charlotte Hornets than the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. Yeah, although I they, saw them spend a bunch of money on Ke- Kelly Oubre, and that seemed a little desperate. Uh, but yeah, I don't know the, that. Was, but I don't know the ins Michael and outs Jordan. of their situation. But yeah, look, that's Michael, um, Jordan. Michael Jordan is the finest, the finest basketball player of all time, and one of the worst dressers of all time. And we still go out and buy all his damn sneakers. So well, let me say this: uh, you guys want some optimism? The Charlotte Hornets have been as bad as the Cavs have for like fifteen fucking years, right? Yeah, and a yeah. year ago. In the summer, if we would have been talking about NBA, and who knows what we were talking about in the upside-down world we were living in. (laughs) Talking about the Charlotte Hornets being on the right track seemed crazy. Well, they had the number three pick in the draft. They hit the right player, and now all of a sudden the fortunes have changed. So maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe, right. It's just, But to go off of what you're saying, they've set it up very well for the next guy that will run for it. You know, like, like I don't see, and I like Jamie Bickerstaff. I I think he's a decent enough coach. But when it, when this thing turns, if it turns, I doubt he or Kobe will have very much to do. Yeah, and, and and that's hard. Like you know, we've seen it right here. We followed it on this podcast, and you've seen it here in Cleveland. In the NFL, there's no such thing as a five year plan. There's just there's no. just not right. Um, in the other two sports, is there one? You know, can you follow one? We'll see. Uh, you know, I feel like this, Dre. I feel like the Cavs. Are going to move Colin Sexton? I don't. They didn't because they didn't take a guard, and they didn't because they don't 
they think probably that his value can be maximized later as he plays well and some other team either falters or loses a guy or sees right. him you right. know for for what he would be as as a score the third or fourth piece on a winning team right and then at right. this deadline as i mentioned which probably is kobe's deadline um probably happens in that you know uh the other team in town the indians soon to be guardians they're playing for next year you know that's obvious um We'll see how that goes. The Browns are playing for right now, right? And yeah. yeah, let me say this about the Guardians, Indians, whatever they are. Um, you're right. I, and it's, I guess, and look, I know I, I'll say this. I'm too close sometimes to the fire to have the feeling those people have. I didn't have expectations to play off the World Series in March or April. Um, still don't in August. But, and I, you know, when we say in other sports, I want to say this right because I don't be judged quickly upon this. In other sports, we talk about rebuilding, and you can't rebuild and, uh, and and contend at the same time. And I tend to agree with that. I think what they're going through so far, is there growing pains in this? Is every night fun? No. Um, but I think they're kind of doing it in a way of they're going to be competitive and compete, compete for the division in a year. Yeah, with I mean, with help, obviously. You lose three reports to your rotation. I don't care who you are you're not going to be in the running for things. But in finding out about some of these other pitchers, like McKenzie, like Quantrill, hell, like Eli Morgan, um, they have have replenished the depth in their starting pitching throughout the organization that was greatly needed eight months ago. Now, to the guy that goes to four games a year and watches on TV every night um, and kid wants to still wear his Francisco Lindor jersey, does that make him feel better about the 2021 season? Probably not. Uh, but it's the process of every sports team. Uh, and the process, and this is what, and, and I mean this wholeheartedly in the nicest way possible. Why the Guardian Indians don't get the same patience that the, that the Browns have had for the last 20 years amazes me. We should be excited about the Browns and where they're at and what they should be able to do this season. But I would say my recall goes back to I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic because We've been here before, and we've watched teams not have the maturity to continue to grow. We've watched the ownership or the leadership not have the patience to let things kind of cultivate and come together and switch it up again. I think we're past all those things. My fingers are crossed that they have the maturity, that the patience is now upstairs as well well, and, well and good. I just don't want, you know, in, on October 1st, they're – two and four, two and three or whatever, and here people ready to go to 480 Bridge and jump. Well, you still got to be patient. When, when I was driving this morning and, and started to realize that we were probably going to get a chance to do this podcast today, I, I just – this is something I wanted to throw to you, and, and you hit on probably 60% of it there, so I want you to tell me, right? Like, the one thing that Garden Deans have always done, right, is develop young pitching. And that's that's manifested in different ways. It's been used in different ways, but that, that's what they've always been really good at, like top top three in the league at, right, or top five, right. So this year, they it just seems like guys either weren't ready or were pushed in too early, a combination of both. And especially when you lost the guys you lost to injury, it just wasn't going to happen, right. But like right. realistically, knowing the realities of baseball and knowing that every team outside of five or six is is going to have to push their chips in for a, a small window 
don't you think that the experience from this year, right, and guys yeah. are healthy next year and guys are more ready, um, like you mentioned, and like Tristan McKenzie and like Quantrill, right? Like you add that to the shit division that they're in and expectations should be high for next year, right? Bingo. I, I think so. I literally do, and I, I literally do because I can see it. Now, offensively, they're going to still figure some things out. But they're supposed to, from what I've been told, they're going to spend money. They're going to get, like, so if you, you're not going to go out and get a Francisco Lindor, but there's going to be good players out there. You get a you suddenly can have a rotation. And this is, you know, August, what, 11th or whatever. But you're going to, you know, you know, Qual, Kyle Quantrill told me something yesterday that stood out. He goes, Andre, I don't give a damn that we've got Shane Beaver and he's best friends with Beaver. Because I don't give a damn that we've got Cy Young Award winners and Rookie of the Years or whatever in our rotation. Because if we got three Cy Young Award winners in our rotation, well, I'm looking to be the fourth. And so and Tristan's looking to be the fifth. Um, like you said, they have found a way to cultivate starting pitching and arms in a way. that In this division, they're going to have an opportunity. Look, the White Sox are one of the best rosters in all of baseball, and they can barely beat the Indians every time they face <laughs> Think Think about that. <laughs> they are the best. And they are – they're – their roster, 1 through 26, to me, goes against anybody in baseball, and they struggle against the Indians every series they have. I think it's going to, I think that you should be excited for next season for them because of what they should have. Their rotation could be one of the best ones in baseball because I, they know who they are, they know their identity. I'll say this I'm no baseball expert. I've, I've said that. Um, I've laughed at, of all the messages that we've gotten over the, uh, about this podcast over the years, the people that are mad that I poo-poo baseball are some of the best because we appreciate you <laughs> listening. And I did watch the All-Star game, um, you know, four weeks ago now, and there were like five guys in it I'd never heard of. But, like, I know enough yell, to know. Did you, yell, did, did you yell Dinger? I'm going to refer that question to my attorney. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, I that's just what I think from following along. You know, I went to the I went to a game a couple weeks ago. I I do listen or watch to some level most nights. I follow it. I'm a sports fan. You know, I I loved the Olympics that just ended because every other day I had basketball to follow. You know, um, on, on some other days I I started watching soccer and beach volleyball and track, which is you know the sprints are made for TV. It's great stuff. I'm just a sports fan, and so of course because of this podcast and because my podcast partner is one of my best friends and he's with the team. Like I I, I follow I I I care, I, but I don't right. And especially when right. football starts, like that's my job, that's my career, and every day in Berea. You know, mixed in with all the stuff that comes with it when you're covering a team that's legit, with Hall of Fame weekend coming, with all the you know the moving parts. Like, I haven't followed. I, I did not know they lost the game last night. When I went to bed, they were winning the game, right? But I also know that it's about next season and not this season. Right, right. And I'll say this about Terry Francona, then I want to get to the Browns and football. Um, I hear you. We hear you out there. People hear you. I hear people that. I've never been to a press conference, never met the man. And I get from afar, you're like, how's this old shit? And I can call him that because that's what I call him. And come back and manage. They're not saying this out loud, and I'm not speaking for him. There's no nothing in Terry Frank on his mind that thinks he's not going to come back and manage baseball. I can tell you that's what DeMarlo Hale feels. I can tell you that's what Sandy Alomar feels. Um, I can't speak for everybody else, but the coaching staff is working right now thinking that Terry Francona will be the manager of the Guardians um, as soon as he can. Okay. 
Interesting. Um, I I stay I I still text with him daily. We still mock each other, make fun of each other daily. Uh, the moment he got out of his first, his hip surgery a couple Mondays ago, he texted me a picture of him limping around his his hotel his his hospital room, and I sent back, "Man, you and Tony Larusa could go to the Olympics. It'd be great." <laughs> and the one thing he said, the one thing he says every April, every time he he turns a year older. Puts up a middle finger to all of his friends that took the under. So all the people <laughs> on the radio keep yelling. <laughs> so all the guys that keep, yeah, you know who you are. You talk on the radio like you know everything about him and everything about about his situation. Keep doing it. They'll be throwing up that middle finger to you taking the under as well. Come next season. All right, so let's do it this way, Dre. Let's just because I've been there. Um, let's just have you fire some Browns questions at me, and yeah. then uh, I got yeah. something else we need to close on. So let's just do it that cool. way. All right. Um, all right, let's let me let, we gotta start the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks, what is that? Josh Allen gets that contract. Jason, um you know, and I can say this because Lloyd listens and Lloyd Lloyd knows I'm his I, I disagree with Lloyd. I don't think that he's worth more than Josh Allen. I'm not putting this on you because you are there every day. I like what Buffalo did. I think what Josh Allen has 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 done in his first three years um says more than what it says about Baker Mayfield. This isn't hating on Baker Mayfield. Um, Josh Allen's body, um, I will always go off of what a, a former scout GM has told me. You will go long-term and you will put your stick your neck out a little bit longer for a physical specimen at certain positions than you will a guy that's undersized. Like, Miles Garrett is a physical specimen. So you go all out. Not only is he a great player, not only does he have great skill set, you look at his body and you realize even if he loses a little bit of athletic ability, even if he loses a little bit of first step or this or that, he's big enough, strong enough that he can still hold up the edge if he loses all that other crap. And he can still be great at that. And we've watched that with like Reggie White for kids. Like Reggie White was Reggie White wasn't as explosive, you know, in his Green Bay days as he was in Philadelphia, but he was so skilled that you paid him because he still was a great player. I say that about Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield because, you know, yeah, Josh Allen's not going to be able to run and take hits all of his life, but you would think he's going to be able to take more hits than a guy that's smaller statured than Baker Mayfield. I will say this. I I don't know how to give contracts out to Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. I don't. Right. So I ask you, how does that play out? And I and I got a tidbit from you. Um, what's going on with Ward? Is, is, he, is he getting ready to get paid? Like, Is that why he's not practicing that much, or is he really just sore? All right. First things first. Um if you think Josh or if you think Baker Mayfield is worth as much as Josh Allen is, then this podcast probably isn't for you because we tell the truth here, right? Um, that being said, this is tricky for a couple of reasons. One being there's just not much precedent for the Browns in this kind of situation, right? And yeah. we think really highly of the guys in charge, and we think they're really smart, and we think they have a chance to open a window that this that this franchise hasn't seen since it wasn't this franchise, Right. Um, you know, that being said, like they've just made really smart, sound decisions so far. Miles was a no brainer and Nick Chubb was a no brainer, right? They needed some offensive tackles. Yeah. They went and got some, right? They hired a smart coach. He hired some smart assistants. They had a really good year. That's not to poo poo anything. That's just the reality. So what in that says that they would want to do a deal anywhere like Allen's with Baker Mayfield eight years. They're not doing an eight year deal with Baker Mayfield. No, they're not. And, you know, guaranteed money is what counts in NFL contracts. That's NFL contract 101. 
Um, yeah. At 43 a year, that, that, that puts uh, Allen and Mahomes in their own league. And that's also more, three million a year more than Dak Prescott, who also should be making more than Baker Mayfield. So, um, as I've said, I think the Browns believe Baker is their guy. I think the Browns want Baker to be their guy. And I know that in all the plans that they have, and they're smart enough to have plans, that they have budgeted for this contract and for the scenario, which they would welcome, in which Baker just absolutely balls out and they have to pay him in the 40 to 43 range, right? If they, yeah, if they have to pay him, that, that means that that's the best scenario ever. That, that means, that, that means the, the absolute best scenario. I just think when you look at who's still up, Denzel, Teller, Baker, right? When you have two of your offensive linemen who are 30 and make $10 million, you know, when you have it, when there's a chance that your tight end that makes 10 million is just not even an average starter in any area except blocking, then you just have to be patient. And I just don't think there's any sign. I, I just keep saying, guys, they're, the Browns, okay, so they could end up losing $3 million a year to Baker Mayfield, but that would mean that Baker Mayfield earned it and the Browns succeeded. So I just don't see any scenario under which they don't wait. As for Denzel, um, I I think more than anything, Dre, it's just a really good week for him and Miles Garrett to get the week off. Camp is too okay. long. These guys are too good, too important to what the Browns are doing. And this week, the stadium practice, going through game preparations, playing an actual game at full speed, that's for Greedy Williams, who hasn't played in a year, and that's for Greg Newsom, who's a 21-year-old rookie, who looks really good, by the way. But he needs this stuff. So, yeah. I do think a deal with Denzel is coming. I think a deal with Denzel will be done between next Monday and September 12th. I don't know that. I'm not reporting that. That's what I think. But I think him sitting out more than anything else is just the fact that this week's not for him. And this has been about the long game and long gains. And that's why most days when I drive to Bria, you see one or two competitive periods. We've seen very few practices over in over a hundred minutes, right? We've seen everything. There's a plan for everything that's so new here. <laughs> it seems so low bar in some ways, but I'm telling you guys, it's refreshing. It's good. Every play of practice is mapped out. Every drill of practice is mapped out. With few exceptions, the days off and the light days and the concentrations, goal line, third down, Clowney's in today, Denzel's not in today. All that's been mapped out for weeks with few exceptions. And so um, I think the Denzel deal's getting done. I don't know that. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, you know I'm, I'm a big Nick Chubb fan. I, I love everything about him, how he plays, all that good stuff. The contract he took, I'm not going to say it was a hometown discount, but it made sense. It seemed like a group of people that all came together. And how, many, how often can we say that in sports? That the team and the player – they came and it all made sense. They came together and did what was right for everybody. Does that type of contract put pressure on Denzel, on Baker, that getting the last dollar may not mean the most for the team? I think it could. Um, I think that's probably loosely what I, even though it didn't occur to me, that's probably loosely what I was referencing and saying that what have the Browns done that shows you that they're willing to do? That kind of investment, you know, look, it, right. if and when Baker's gets done, and I think it's eventually going to get done, it's going to be the biggest contract in team history. Now, right. like, 
that stands out because it's a su- superlative, right? But it honestly, like, this is the new CBA has been in place since 2011, guys. Like, this has been going on. That just speaks more to what they didn't have to do before, right? Than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? Uh, every other right. franchise has already busted that because they had guys, right? And that's, and that's whether there was a guy they drafted in the top five who hit or someone they got accidentally later and, and broke the bank. Like, that's, that's what that is. So, yeah. Um, does it put a little pressure? I don't know. Uh, would Baker eventually say to his agent, I, I don't care um, about what Dak makes and, and what Josh Allen makes? You know, I don't know. Is your point about let Lamar and Baker show you a little more probably a valid one? Yeah. Um, I just think in the realm of where the cap is going in 2023 and in the realm of rewarding your guys and, and doing it, knowing it's coming, like – I'm not going to get worked up one way or another about one million, four million, or or where he ranks in, in that, no doubt. right? No doubt. And like, no doubt. it's just the thing. Like, this is why I never doubted that Chubb was going to get his deal. Because when it comes to making this work, and in the not for long league, a lot of these don't work. It's way more about the player continuing to produce than what position he plays. It just, uh, yeah, it You're just right. is right. Like. Obviously, Jared Goff and Todd Gurley going bad was was bad for the Rams, but they took on that and a whole bunch of other. They chose this. The Browns are not yeah. there yet. You know, the Browns cut Sheldon Richardson and structured the deals of Clowney and Troy Hill and Malik Jackson in a certain way to give them some runway. You know, they've got the resources to do some things. They're not there yet where they're constantly refining that mortgage every hour like the Steelers have done for the better part of a decade, like the Rams have but done every hour for the past yeah. three years, right? Like, but that's coming. Part of, they're not there yet. That's part of success, though. That's part of success. It's yeah. weird to say that um, because it's awkward and it seems like bad business and it seems like you're constantly paying Pitt Peter to, you know, you're, just, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Mm-hmm. But it's actually just the, it's just the business of the NFL nowadays, right? Business yes. of the NFL in today's world is you sometimes have to deal with bad. Con- you, you sometimes have to move contracts and guys that you thought were going to be your your future, guys that you thought were going to be the faces of your franchise. That ha- it happens. It's just how it is. And the great organizations can maneuver through that, right? The great organizations can go from you know what we thought Gurley was going to be our running back and, and we thought this guy was going to be our quarterback. Um, and golf, but we're. St- I mean, people look at the Rams, and I don't see people saying the Rams aren't going to be competitive in AFC in NFC West. Um, they they've got a way a system of doing things, uh, and now the, look, New Orleans has been behind the gun for years with the money that they've spent between Breeze and different guys. Yes, that's a team I m- have- wanted to mention. Yes, absolutely. You know, like, and they've continued to find ways, as you know, to be competitive, put great teams out there, and, and a team that they're trying to get back to the Super Bowl year in and year out. So you can do it. Um, you brought up Newsom. I think that's the guy that everybody wants to hear about and talk about. Um, I, I'm very curious, but about and about Greedy as well. Um, seeing Greedy listed as a starter, I mean, I know that means nothing on August 10th, 11th, but it kind of says something considering he didn't play. And I'm actually excited about watching the safeties play and just reading what I've read so far. Yeah, um, you know, three of the four safeties have not been in there in camp, so. Um, yeah, you know, you're looking at a situation now where Delpit's a rookie and he's not really had any training camp in his second year. So he's still a rookie to me. Right. So scratch him for the first month of the season, making any kind of contribution, I think. Right. But with greedy, I mean, this is a guy that's played 
This is a guy that's been through it and worked his way back. And he has to go in a game and do it because he's got to trust it himself, right? And, and and the Browns have to evaluate him in that scenario. And that's not to say that if he has two interceptions of a rookie on Saturday night that he's going to the Hall of Fame. Or if they torture him once that he's a bum, it doesn't mean that. He needs to go do it and then come back and get through the soreness and go through the corrections with his coaches and then play, right? So, you know, coaches feed us a lot of BS. And Kevin Stefanski is a very smart guy, and he has a very – polished and above his years way of not answering a question. Right. But right. one thing I'm never going to press him on or question him on when I come on here when, and he's away and I still am on a microphone, they're going to need all their corners, Jay. And I, I, yeah. I internally, I don't really think they're concerned about who plays the first snap. I, I think they understand that if a rookie's out there in week one in Kansas city, that that rookie's going to get attacked. Right. But right. I just think right. when they look at 17 games, they know they're going to need these guys. They know they're going to need him. Troy Hill's 30. He's tiny. He can play any spot, right? Is he going to play 17 yeah. games? I don't know, but he can He can help, help you. Very helpful. You know, where is Greedy mentally and physically? Well, they, they know better than I do because they're with him every hour of the day. But until he goes out there this Saturday, they don't know what that next step is. Exactly. And like I said, when you watch Greg Newsom in camp, guys, you get excited. Like, this kid is going to be a good NFL player. Right now, he's 21 years old and 15 practices in to his career. And the first game is against the Kansas City motherfucking Chiefs. So you don't get baptized. We'll see. Baptisms happen in the NFL. It's part of the deal. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So so that that's kind of where that stands. It's safety. You know, Harrison's been out since the second or third day of camp. Delpit has done little. And then Redwine turned an ankle maybe early in the second week. So. John Johnson looks great, and the other guy playing with the ones has been Javante Moffitt, who was an undrafted guy last year, who they like. But let's be honest, he's probably more of a practice squad special teams guy. So um, they have the fifth-rounder, LeCount. They have not put him out there with the starters yet. That could change next Monday. So, like, look, the, the game on Saturday means a lot to 35 to 55 guys on this roster. It never meant anything to Denzel. They, you know, Stefanski came out earlier right. today and said Baker's not going to play. Well, duh. Right. Jarvis probably isn't going to play. Chubb and Hunt should not touch the field in the preseason. And if Chubb does, it certainly wouldn't be for more than a couple plays. And even when you watch in camp, Jerry, I'll say this. Kareem Hunt is not the backup running back. Kareem Hunt is a starter and a valued piece of this offense. He might, he, you know, he gets his reps and he plays, but they never have Kareem Hunt out there hanging around with Kyle Laletta in the offensive backups, right? Like when Kareem Hunt takes his turn, there's a purpose to it. And it's those backs in that offensive line that ultimately give this Browns team a chance to be different. That's where, I mean, that's their identity. Their identity is the depth of this offense. And Kareem Hunt's not, is a starter on 29 NFL football teams. So that's mm. how he should get treated. Um, how they, maneuver through this preseason and how fans deal with this preseason will be very interesting to me um, because there's an importance to it, but it's not about the scores. I got a feeling Urban Meyer is going to try to make an impression this yes. weekend because Urban Meyer doesn't know what the hell he's doing on the NFL level <laughs> is what I've taken from things. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I know he's one of the best football coaches ever and he's from Northeast Ohio, but I've already just read some things and seen some things where it's like, it feels like Butch Davis all over again down in Jackson. We'll see. It kind of does. It kind of does. Um, and we will see. But yeah, I think everyone kind of believes that on Saturday night, the Browns are going there to work on a few specific things and get a better idea for players 40 through 60 on their roster. 
um, and get the hell back on that bus and back to that plane and home, right? We're going to play for three hours in 362% humidity to get their work and get out. And I think everybody thinks Urban Meyer is going to run trick plays at Tim Tebow and try to score touchdowns and win the game. So that's what the preseason's always been, and it's what you get out of it, right? And, like, I'll just say this. You know, it, it, it some days in camp, you look at the Browns and you say, this is an embarrassment of offensive riches, right? And, like, they're going to be really good, and I, and I think that. Some days you look and you say, well, that was ugly. Well, sometimes it's ugly. Um, as I mentioned, everything's scripted. So you're working on things that you're not good at. Um, when you're working on those things for three days in a row, the defense knows what's coming, right? And then there's other times yeah, you just miss. Like, bad, right. in the two-minute drill in the stadium practice, Baker just sucked. Um Early in the stadium practice, they ran one of their bootlegs, which we know he's best at and we know is the signature of this offense. One of their best bootlegs, Hooper's wide open, he drops it. So, you know, what would be a positive vibe right away for practice becomes like, come on, right? Like, we haven't run that for four days. We're waiting here to do it when we're with 27,000 people in the crowd and you, and you drop the ball. So it's right. yeah. it, it's what you get out of it. Um, I think Jadavian Clowney and Miles have already gotten enough out of it, right? Obviously, it's been disappointing not to have Delpit and not to have Schwartz, and we're all waiting on Odell to get to the next stage and all of that. But, you know, football's back, and the main thing is Jimmy's and Joe's. You have your dudes. This team has dudes, and there's a real plan for getting them ramped up for the ones that count. Can't wait. Can't wait. I'm excited. Appreciate this. I'm glad you guys – I may even want to do another one of these Friday. That's how well, we won't be on okay. Friday, and that, and I'll tell you why. Um, oh, you got to travel, Drake? No, I'm not. I'm not making the trip. I'm on oh, the regular season oh, trips. Oh, I know what comes after. What Friday. What is the what one I'm... thing in the world that I'm good at that you always tell people? Oh my God, he is the best, and he is the best. Other than eating uh, chicken from our favorite chicken place, he does nothing better than stand in front of a bunch of people in shirts and ties that want to get drunk and tell you how great and bad a person is. He should do. Um, he should. I'm trying to think of. You should be able to roast people for the rest of your life. He's going to get to roast his brother on Friday. It's going to be a genuine moment, one of the best moments of the Jackson Five's life. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, your son's going to be embarrassing. Well, I don't think my mom's <laughs> sleeping this week because she's afraid I'm going to spray f bombs all over the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you have an f bomb? Like, like, is there a, is there a number that you can't like? Is is there like a five? Five F-bombs. Yeah, to her, to her, it's zero. But we're trying to meet in the middle somewhere. <laughs> so, like, two and a half? <laughs> so, um, shout-out to my brother. It's been a big summer, and he gets married on Friday. Uh, shout-out to you guys for listening. Shout-out to American Fireworks. I might have to make a quick trip up there tomorrow, and we might have to light yeah. up this reception a little bit. I might get some too, just because I couldn't even get out of work. But I want to. I want to do that. We may have to do something like that. <laughs> All right, I'm all right, guys. Dre's, Dre's got to go. Uh, I do too. Thank you for listening. Um, you know, there'll be preseason football on Saturday night. Next week is the biggest week of camp. It always was. The Giants come in uh, for some real work, controlled work, where the, where they can get some things done, and then then it starts kind of feeling and looking like like football's around the corner. So, um, you know, glad you're with us. Glad you spread the word. We appreciate it. Um, watch Andre's games on TV. Cavs are on Summer League tonight. Uh, subscribe to The Athletic, and we will talk to you soon. Awesome. You guys talk. <laughs> Be good. Right. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.